Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensley. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. So repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life. That you minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today. With absolute clarity. In a way that I can understand it. That it can be revealed to me. So that I can do it. And see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So obviously we've been through. The fact that we approach the last few weeks that, that, that we're approaching the end of all things. And 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 7 to 11 is what these last few weeks have been based on. Since we're approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. If ever you, there was a time that was going to show you that you need to be given to prayer, now is that time. Above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God was speaking His words through you. If you have a gift of serving, do it passionately, with the strength God gives you, so that in everything God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to Him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. And then we went on, we looked at what does it mean if you're finding real love? And um, I really want you to think about that today. And if you missed last week's message, then go and have a look at it. It's on the active TV channel on YouTube, it's also on the Active Worship channel on YouTube. Because the world's searching for real love. And if we as the church are going to bring the world to that place, then something's got to change. We've got to have an encounter with Jesus. And we've got to love each other with a fervency and a passion. But now today, and the funny thing is, um, you know, this was prepared some weeks ago. And I didn't know that we were going to go through this week that we, we went through in the last week. And so the sermon's entitled, When You Have the Opportunity to Speak, Know What to Say. And so this, this time, with so many people sick, people going to hospital, other people who need to go to hospital can't go to hospital because they haven't got medical aid or they go to a government hospital and they don't get treated or they're getting into a private hospital but there are no beds and so they're staying in the casualty and so we just go on and on and on and on and on and um, the first thing I can tell you is that no one who's battling to breathe this morning because of COVID is worried about the rights right when all you need is to focus to get oxygen you don't worry about anything else And we haven't got time with the riots and everything going on to focus on the fear of COVID if we haven't got it. Now, I want you to think about what's happened in the nation. I mean, I, I'm, I really feel it's hypocritical for the media to say that South Africa needs to take a long, hard look at itself in the mirror. Because the media promotes many things and 
many immoral things that are the cause of why this week happened. I want to tell you straight, what happened this week was it started out last weekend with some protests over people who were angry about an ex-president going to jail and it got hijacked. There were people who were provoking this thing. It became obvious. And the messages that were going out on social media, 90%, maybe even 95% were fake. I mean, if you looked at social media and you didn't know what was going on, Rosettenville was on fire, Turfentine was on fire, Southdale was on fire, everywhere was on fire. And we were getting phone calls here at the church, people telling us, get out of there. They, they, they're rioting there by you. They weren't. It was quiet. There was trouble about five to six kilometers from here in a sort of a northeasterly direction. Yeah, in Joburg, it wasn't as bad as the media portrayed. And obviously, because someone might come and say, yeah, but in Soweto, I know, Soweto, Jabalani Mall, Mapunya Mall, Meadowlands Mall, it's terrible what happened. But what happened there? Someone provokes. I mean, someone stopped, a, I saw a video, someone stopped a pick-it-up truck and they knew how to drive the pick-it-up truck. And I was thinking, you know, the kind of people who would loot in that part of Soweto would not normally know how to drive a, a pick-it-up truck, but this guy knew how to drive this truck. And he rammed open the gate and you just saw people flooding. So someone provokes, someone rams open the gate, people say, ah, it's open. I can loot and I won't get bust. And so guess what? I've said it before, we're a nation of thieves, so we go in and we steal because we can get away with it. And that needs to change. On top of that, we often sit on our social media and we say this, we say that, and we say the next thing. But you know, this morning, Amos 6 verse 4 to 7, how terrible for you who sprawl on ivory beds, ivory, you know, that's the, the stuff that comes from elephant tusks. You sprawl on ivory beds and lounge on your couches, eating the meat of tender lambs from the flock and choice calves fattened in the store. So we're sitting, we're eating popcorn, whatever, we're watching movies, we're watching sport, we're watching Instagram, we're watching some or other gram, and then it goes on, it says, you sing trivial songs to the sound of the harp and fancy yourselves to be great musicians like David. Isn't that the story for so many of us? We're listening to this music that says some of the most disgusting things under the sun. Or we think, you know what? I'm the next best thing to music. I want to be a celebrity. I want everyone to fall at my feet. But the people don't fall at the feet of the big musicians anymore. You know why? Because everyone wants to be a celebrity these days. So you sit there and you do this. You drink wine by the bowlful. Isn't that what happens? I mean, when they lock us down, people don't complain, hey, the church is closed. What? No liquor. No liquor. We're angry. We're furious. How can you do this? The virus doesn't, tra doesn't travel on whiskey. You drink wine by the bowlful. So if we take your wine away, we take your God away, you freak out. And you perfume yourselves with fragrant lotions. And here's the thing. You care nothing about the ruin of your nation. Our nation, the ruin of our nation didn't start 
this week. The ruin of our nation did not start with the degradation of our physical infrastructure. The ruin of our nation started with the ruin of the moral fiber of the nation, which is the ruin of the moral fiber in every single one of us. We've messed up. You care nothing about the ruin of your nation. Therefore, you will be the first to be led away as captives. Suddenly, all your parties will end. Now, this was speaking to a king. And you are the church. And therefore, you're supposed to be in a position where you lead and you're bringing people to Jesus and you're helping people to have an encounter with Jesus themselves so that they will change, so that if the shops open, they will not loot the shop, but they'll stop the looters. Because that's what a real leader will do. A real leader will put themselves in a position where potentially they're put in harm's way in order to stop something like that happening. A real leader will put themselves on the line in order to save a nation. You have an opportunity to speak and what the Bible says is if you have the opportunity, speak. Every day you have an opportunity to speak to people about Jesus, to tell them about the gospel, to give them a revelation of what it means to be christ centers, of what it means to be moral, a moral person. 1 Peter 4, 11a, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. The oracles of God means you're speaking the message of God to the people. In our day and age, we're very quick to speak our own opinion. Why do all of these fake messages that may even come from someone like the CIA. I'm literally, that's literally possible. You know, I mean, some folks in a black voice, hey, we're coming for you tomorrow. The other folks are white, hey, listen, Brut, we check in all these folks, hey, and we check out their Brut, and they all give us the same answers. This thing is orchestrated. The EFF is busy organizing a coup, and they're going to take over South Africa in 30 days. These kind of messages. Fake. Then people start freaking out and everyone's sending it out. And now a situation that's so bad becomes gigantically bad. Because we speak our own opinion. And whenever we get an opportunity, we love to let others know what we think. We love to let everyone know that we know what's going on. Okay, when I get those messages, I start phoning people in the area. Listen, I've heard this. What's happening there? No, it's all quiet. What's happening there? No, there, there was a riot about an hour and a half ago, but then the police came with shambucks and rubber bullets and everyone's gone. It's peaceful. In fact, you're more safe ever in Rosettaville right now than what you normally are in normal times. We want everyone to accept what we say and act on what we say. Our social media is full of ourselves. But if you want to be powerful, you speak as an oracle of God. You speak the word of God. You declare the Bible. You prophesy the Bible. As we've said in this series, you become a prophet to the nation. You speak the word of God over your life. You speak the word of God over your future. You speak the word of God over your family and over your nation. You speak the word. In a dark time of desolation, you declare the, the hope and the glory of the word of God. You become a fountain of hope in an angry world. 
That's what you are. That's what the Lord has called you to be. That is the mantle that's upon your life. With you in your community, what happened this week is not supposed to be able to happen. What happened this week is because the church isn't what the church is supposed to be and we've got to look at ourselves first. But the world is angry and if the fount of hope doesn't come out of the church, it's not going to come. I've warned many people that in our nation, South Africa, things are going to fall apart if the church doesn't step up. And what has happened this week is a warning. That's all. It's just a warning. There's nothing major that's happened this week. It's a warning of where we will end up if we don't turn things around and if revival doesn't sweep this nation. And I'm not talking too long. Somewhere five, ten years, maybe less. We're going to have a much bigger catastrophe than what we've had. The problems are not big if we will step up and do what God's called us to do. And so when you speak, you speak as though God was speaking his words through you. 1 Peter 4, 11b. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Here's the thing. Whatever ability you have to speak the gospel, use it. Whenever you have the opportunity to pray for someone's healing, you do it. It doesn't matter if you've prayed for people and they've died. It doesn't matter. Two weeks ago, because we broadcast on my Facebook page as well, someone named Brendan put a comment on the service. There was a, a nice word or a wonderful word or something like that. And... Um, he was sick with COVID. Last week, Sunday, he was very sick. And we were praying for him like crazy. On Monday morning, I went to his house. And I laid hands on his chest and I asked God to open his chest. And I prayed for him. And we spoke. And then 2 o'clock, we got to call his dad. Um, even when that happens to you, you don't stop praying for the sick. If someone you love is sick, what is your temptation? Your temptation is to worry. Your temptation is to panic. And the Bible says don't. Don't. Pull out communion. Yeah, but we pulled out the last time at dinner. It doesn't matter. You pull it out again. Because you, your faith is in what the word declares. Your faith is not in how circumstances look right now. And you tell the elders, your cell leader, and you let them anoint you with oil. You have communion. You ask God for a full measure of the faith so that he can heal them through your faith and through their faith. The healing power is what God provides. It's not something that you can give. It's not something that you can bring. And you have two choices with the position that we find on our continent. You can get despondent and depressed. You can get downcast. You can do that. You have the right to do that. But you know what I've been telling some people this week? You also have the right to be stupid. Do you know that God's given you the right to be stupid? The same as you know when police come and they arrest you. They read you your rights. They're supposed to anyway. But they don't often, yeah. But anyway, they're supposed to. And you know the first thing I'm supposed to tell you? You have the right to remain silent. 
You have the right to not say anything that's going to make you look guilty in a court of law. And God says, you have the right to be stupid. But that doesn't mean you have to be stupid. You have the right to be downcast and depressed. But that doesn't mean you have to be downcast and depressed. No, when, 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 when things get beyond you, you can get despondent or depressed or you can minister. And if you minister, the Holy Spirit will help you. And when you find yourself in the situation that we find ourselves in now, and you don't know what to say, if you are open to the Lord, He will give you the words. You won't know what to say beforehand, but as you start speaking, the words will come. And whatever words come, it will be exactly the words that need to come to minister to that person or that situation or whatever's going on. And he will give you the authority to make a difference. You will calm people down that are panicking. But in order for this to be true, make sure that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 to 11 says that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. What that's saying is, let your, praises be, let your praises for God be known to the world around you. Let the world around you know that no matter what you're going through, no matter where your circumstances are, no matter how things look for the nation, no matter what's happening with this pandemic, let your praises be known to the world around you. No matter what you go through, let your praises be known to the whole world. To the ends of the earth. Let your praises be known to the point that God is glorified through the work that Jesus is doing through his church. The church is the physical body of Jesus on the earth today. And therefore, if we are doing the work of God, he is glorified through our praises. He is glorified when we pray for people and they get healed. He is glorified when we feel, feed those who don't have food. He is glorified when we stop violent situations from happening. He is glorified when we do what we all know we need to do now. We better start pulling our communities together. We better start getting to know our neighbors. Listen, I'm warning you. People who aren't Christians are saying that now. You better start making disciples. Because when all hell breaks loose, if everyone knows everyone... There's far less that some looters, you know, there's far less that some looters can come and do than what they can do if we don't know each other and we don't trust each other. The praise and the worship given in the midst of trials are the most powerful praise and worship that we can utter. It impacts people more than any other time. And I want you to understand that worship is the most powerful tool we have to overcome depression. Worship is the most powerful tool we have to overcome despondency and sadness. Worship is the most powerful tool we have to overcome grief. It is by far the most powerful tool, but it takes an effort. It takes an effort. Now Vic spoke about a testimony in Are You Up, Babes? And it's a testimony of a man that was very angry. Is a man from Zimbabwe and 
many things that happened in his life and many things that been done to him at the hands of white people so i hated white people but um he also hated the church he hated the church And we have many people in our nation like that today. We have many people suffering from that today. The thing is, however, a church decided to have an outreach. A church decided that the gospel needed to be preached. A church decided that no matter what's going on and no matter what injustices are happening, that people need to be touched with the power of God. And I don't want to tell too much of the story now, but for those of you who watched all your updates, Vic spoke about it. But here's the thing. Since when is the church only supposed to do its work when things are safe? You see, that line of reasoning is not the gospel. That is not what Jesus did. Jesus knew before he went to Jerusalem, at the time when he was crucified, he knew that in the natural, Jerusalem was not the place for him to go. And the reason for that was they wanted to kill him. And they were going to make plans to kill him. Yet he went anyway. When you read in the book of Acts, Paul knew that he mustn't go to Jerusalem. But he went to Jerusalem anyway. Even though the members of the church at Ephesus told him not to go. Because the people in, in the church in Ephesus also knew that the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem wanted to take Paul out. And you know what Paul said? I'm going anyway. And I know that I'm going to be arrested. And I know that I'm going to suffer various things. But God wants me to go. And I know I won't be killed there. Because first I'm going to have to stand before Caesar. And present the gospel. Both Jesus and the apostle Paul went headlong into dangerous situations. And throughout the history of the church we've seen where people have gone into dangerous situations because the Lord has sent them there. And yes, sometimes they've died. Sometimes they've been, you know, uh, they've been miraculous works and they haven't died. And, and we don't know which of those it will be if God sends us into that. But we're not called to do what's safe. We're called to get the gospel. We're called to bring calmness in chaos. We're called to feed people who are starving. We're called to go there and minister light in the midst of the darkest darkness. And when we will do that, we will hear miraculous testimonies. We will hear incredible testimonies. And here's the thing about those testimonies. When the testimonies start flowing in the church of what God has done, it becomes the culture of the church. And I want to challenge you today. What testimony do you have to share? 
What can you say that the Lord has done? I want you to think about that for a second. Is the last thing you can remember the Lord doing for you what happened five or ten years ago? Even in a time like this, even in the week that we've had in the last seven days here in South Africa, there should be something that you're able to tell people about what the Lord's done in your life right now. But God will call you sometimes into situations that in the natural are dangerous. Obviously, you've got to know it's the call of God. I just want to give that right. I'm not telling you to be stupid or something like that. But the thing is, at the end of the day, God will call you to go minister in dangerous situations. And in this video, that's exactly what happened. I want us to just watch this video. And then I want to speak about what Jesus wants to do through your hands. Let's have a look. come from a background where it was broken. My mother given to marriage at the age of 13 and I was born uh, when she was 14 and then dumped in the streets when I was about six or seven. Uh, she started living under a bridge as, uh, as a small boy and I became a drug addict at the early age of my life and stabbed someone with a knife at the age of about 13 joined the Freedom Fighters in Zimbabwe and it was from there that uh, I had to shout there's no God, there's no God. Communism was the only answer. And the hatred for a white man began when I was so small, when I saw them beating my father. So this day when I was given this bomb to go and plant it, I had that passion to go and kill as many white people as I could. As we walked towards the bank, we saw this big massive tent by the roadside. And it so happened that it was from South Africa. And anything from South Africa to us was a taboo because of the white people, the way they tortured black people. And there were about two, three thousand people inside singing praises to God. But we got there and I said, surround the tent in twos every corner. And when I blow the whistle at 7 o'clock, throw the bombs inside, and I want every person inside to die. If one person escapes, I'll give you a gift of a bullet in your head. He said, okay, Steve, we'll do that. I said, well, since we've got five minutes, maybe let's go inside for two minutes only to look at the people about to kill. So we went inside with our weapons in the paper bags, set right the last bench at the entrance like it was left for us. They were singing choruses, but my friends, we started singing out of tune to disturb the meeting. And one preacher came and touched my shoulder, said, please boys, keep quiet. And I pulled out my knife, I said, preacher, if you ever touch me, I'll kill you right now. And he left me. And all my gang turned towards me with shock of their life. And I said, what? Because they were surprised that I warned this preacher. I was that character when I pulled out my knife 
I would use it. When I took out my gun, I'd shoot. But they were shocked to see that I'd warned this preacher. They invited a pretty girl from Soweto to share a testimony. And that girl put me off balance completely because she was gorgeous. But the more she shared the testimony, she was, she was, you know, shining with the glory of God. And then she invited another black evangelist, and this man stood up and read two verses. Romans 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. And the next thing, I was under deep conviction and I was crying like a little child. The whole tent looked backwards that this boy was crying. And I picked up my guns and my bombs and went forward. And that night was my turning point. As I was crying there, I said, Jesus, have mess upon me. I want to surrender my life to you. And the peace I got that night was unbelievable. No language can ever explain the peace and the joy I experienced that night. And that was my first time as well to, to laugh. And following that, I went to the police to surrender myself. And after eight hours, they say, if your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. And my new Bible, which I was given by a police officer, I didn't know how to read it, but I treasured so much. God, with a sense of humor, used a white man to adopt me. In spite of the laws at that time that no black people could live in the white area, you'd be arrested. So this man kept me for 15 years in spite of the laws and helped me. Uh, to transform me to be what I am today. So he was the one who gave me the Senem Lungu. Many people ask me, which Bible college do you go? Did you go? I said, where? Well, I went to Golgotha. That's where I, I said, where is Golgotha College? I said, at the cross where Jesus was crucified. That's where I've learned everything about, you know, about God. So to me, I can say my BA degree is born again. God has taken me around the globe uh, preaching the gospel, meeting, you know, presidents of different countries. They invite me, pay for my ticket, and um, preached around the United States, almost every state. Two years ago, I was preaching at Pentagon to the CIA intelligence. They said, you are the first black man to preach here. So I look at myself that God could you not know, choose a person who was thrown away by my mother. Little did she know that the boy I'm dumping today will travel around the globe and, you know, preach to statesmen. But, you know, God picks up a nobody and makes you a somebody. Now, what if that girl from Soweto that gave a testimony and her husband that spoke after that never went? And two things also that struck me is the first is that um, God stopped him from killing that pastor that put his hand on his shoulder. And the other thing was there was a white man that took him in in spite of the fact that it was illegal in terms of the laws of the land. Which means that um, if the police had come there, that, that white man would have been arrested. We'd have got a prison sentence. 
but God told him basically to raise this boy as a son. That pastor put his hands on his shoulder. And with his hands, he took out the knife and he threatened. He said, if you touch me again, I'll kill you. I want you to think about your hands. We spoke about them last week. How important are they to you? You can express violence with your hands or you can express love. You can give hugs. You can make music with your hands. You can do tasks. You can do chores. You can hold on to things. And with your hands, you can exercise authority. A policeman steps into a road, raises his hands, he says, stop, it's a sign of authority. Jesus' hands had authority. When he raised his hands against the storms, they stopped. When he laid his hands on the dead, they came back to life. When he laid his hands on the sick, they got better. And these same hands of Jesus were nailed to the cross. And when they were nailed to the cross, the enemy thought that... uh, This is it. The work of God is over. The enemy's intention was to neutralize the plans of God. And he thought when he saw those hands nailed to the cross, the enemy thought that he was getting revenge for the times that he'd suffered under the hand of Almighty God. So the blood that flowed from Jesus' hands is the blood of authority and power. Authority and power. When the enemy nailed the hands of Jesus to the cross, he wanted to negate the power of the work of the Lord's redemption. Every one of us needs redemption. Not just a freedom fighter who wants to kill a whole church full of people. We all need redemption. Every one of us needs redemption. And when the blood flowed from his hands, instead of the work of the hands of Jesus being neutralized, something incredible happened because that blood flowed from Jesus' hands which released the power, the power and the authority of Jesus into the hands of believers. Why? So that you can do the supernatural work of God. If you've done ministry in your own strength, it's time to confront the enemy with the power and the authority that Jesus has given through the blood that flowed from his hands. When you do it in your own strength, the result becomes tiredness and and burnout and frustration. If you're watching this and you're sick with COVID, if you fight it in your own strength, you will end up tired and burnt out and frustrated fight it with the power of God no matter where it may take you fight it with the power of God and the right way to fight is with the weapons of the kingdom Some of us may be in a position right now where we want to give up, but some of us may be in the position where we long to move and to live and to work with a ministry that is supernatural. 
If, you, if you're longing for God to work supernaturally through you, you've got to apply the blood of productivity, which is the blood that flowed from the hands of Jesus. Productivity happens from your hands. And if you want to pray powerfully, if you want to pray prayers that break the power of the enemy, then pray by applying the blood that is in the blood that was shed from Jesus' hands. Hands incorporate all the things that we do to be productive. And through the blood of productivity, God gives us gifts. The Greek word for gifts is charis. And what it means is grace. It talks about grace. It talks about a present. It talks about having favor. It talks about power. It talks about your function which is your calling. It talks about the mission that God has set for you and for the church. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is a mission God has given you. And I want you just to close your eyes now and I want you, in your mind's eyes, I want you to see the blood that flowed from Jesus' hands. I want you to see it touching your hands. Hands that have done many bad things. Hands that many times may have been used for evil. And Jesus is washing those hands right now. He's redeeming those hands. An exchange is taking place. If your life is fake, he's turning it around right now. You know, if what you've been putting out there is not who you are, it's being turned around right now. Just believe it and see it by by faith. See Him touching you right now. Now with your eyes still closed, just hold your hands in front of you. Raise towards God. And I'm going to ask you, wherever you are, to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I offer you my hands. I ask that right now, you would apply the blood of productivity. The blood which flowed from your hands onto my hands. That, Lord, that you would raise up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The healings the miracles, the signs and the wonders which are so desperately needed in a time like this. Lord, I declare that my hands will be an instrument for your ministry and that wherever I have influence, wherever there are challenges, whenever there are mountains that seem to envelop us, I'm going to apply the blood of productivity and I'm going to minister to that mountain 
I'm going to minister to that situation. I'm going to minister to that grief. I'm believing that people are going to be healed from COVID through my hands. I'm believing that people are going to stop rioting through my hands. I'm believing that people are going to turn back from evil through the work of my hands. Help me to speak your word, to be a prophet over my nation, over my continent, in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8 verse, sorry, Romans 10 verse 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I just want to say to you here today that your eternal destiny is at stake. It really is. And all of this other stuff and the instrument that God wants to use you as in the nation will not help if you're not a believer. The Bible does not say good people go to heaven. It says believers do. And so I want to encourage you right now to come before the altar. If you're watching at home, I'm going to encourage you to come to the screen. If you're at one of the sites or if you're here in this moment just before we pray, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands if you just want to connect with God. Maybe there's things you've done even yesterday that you think are too big for God to forgive. There's no sin that you've committed that is above the price that the blood of Jesus paid on the cross for you to make you right before God. And that's why the saying goes, it's not good people that go to heaven. It's believers that do, for even the good people are not good enough. But by the blood of Jesus, we're made righteous. We are justified, which means we are made into a person as if we've never sinned. God does it. He does it through the blood of Jesus. And oh, do you have a purpose. If you'll give your life to Jesus, he has such a powerful purpose in this time. And so when you, when you make this commitment, what you're saying to God, you're saying, Lord, today is the time. Today is my time. Lord, today it's me and you. And I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now. Lord, I can't wait until I get home. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it if I do that. I can't wait for later until I'm by myself. I don't know if I'll make it. And Lord, I want to make this commitment now because I want to be sure inside my heart that I'm going to live eternity close to you. I want to be sure that from this day on I'm living close to you so that one day when my death comes knocking, I will be ready. And I will be ready because my death won't affect me because I know that I'm going to be with you through eternity through the blood that you shed for me on the cross I want to know today Lord that the entirety of my debt before you is paid in Jesus name and so I'm going to ask you all to close your eyes and for those that are here if any of you need to commit your life to Jesus just raise your hand right now and we're going to pray with you. And if there's anyone at any one of the sites, I'm going to ask you right now just to raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now so that people can see you.
And if you're at home, I'm going to ask you to, to straight after the service to email info at theactivechurch.org. Info at theactivechurch.org. Just give us your name, give us a contact number, and also tell us whether you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Him right now. I want to encourage you to do that right now, and I just feel I need to say this. There's someone watching, and um, you want to make the commitment, but you're scared to make the declaration. You're scared to raise your hand, or you're scared to send the email. And the Lord is saying, don't be afraid, send it now. You won't be sorry if you do. This is a place that is sanctified by God. So right now I'm asking everyone, put your right hand on your heart. Visualize Jesus. See him and remember that he died on the cross for you. And this same Jesus who died on the cross for you, he is the same today as he was back then. And his blood is just as powerful as it was back then. It is still today washing away the sins of billions of people. It is washing the sins away because the work of Jesus stands once and for all. It is done. It is finished. It is over. The blood that he shed was the price that he paid for all of our sin. We have now outstanding debt. If we believe in this, we have now outstanding debt before God. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And Lord, today, I ask that the blood of your wounded body Wash me clean of all my rebellion, all my sin. I ask you to set me free from any sickness and from any pain. We're asking, Lord, that you open our lungs and defeat this virus. And Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as I'd never sinned. By your blood I'm sanctified. And I've chosen to serve you. Because you've chosen me. And today I open the door of my heart. And I let you in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace has bought our freedom, our sins no more inside. We were cursed, but now we're crucified with Christ. He buried all our burdens.